1: Of all that God possesses and does on the earth, the single most important thing to him is the church. In fact, the church is the unique subject of perhaps the highest book in the New Testament, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. But if you were asked, what is the church, how would you answer? Well, that's what we want to see today. What is the church? Not from our perspective from God's perspective. Bob Danker has joined us for our second program from the book of Ephesians, a, a very special and unique life study in the whole breadth of the life study work, wasn't it, Bob? It certainly was, Chris. Of course, this epistle written by Paul
2: focuses on the church, and the church is God's heart desire. The church is the goal of God's eternal economy, and it's such a great matter. I'm very happy that we can take this time to get into this Book of Ephesians with all the life studies that will open up this matter to all of
1: us. We had a marvelous uh, beginning yesterday, Bob, to this, uh, and I will tell our listeners right now we're going to be in Ephesians for some time, probably uh, three or four months, actually. Uh, a lot of messages given by Witness Lee, and uh, it's almost inexhaustible what's here in this book when we really get into it. And so, day by day, I think our listeners will begin to realize. Uh, but in our beginning yesterday, we saw that, in fact, the church is the subject of this book. A lot of the New Testament epistles touch the matter of the church, and in many cases, dealing with the problems associated with the church. But this book is different because it shows us the church from another viewpoint, another vantage point, and that is from the heavenlies as God sees the church. And we see it presented not according to what the church does or is occupied with, but according to what it is. What do we mean by that, Bob?
2: Well, I think what we're referring to here, Chris, is The very intrinsic nature of the church. It's irrespective of what we can see with our physical eyes, and it's irrespective of any kind of activities or outward practices. I think when most people look at the church, they see the outward things, Mm -hmm. and very few realize that the church has an intrinsic nature, an intrinsic identity of what it is in the eyes of God, what it is to God in his eternal plan. And I feel this is where the book of Ephesians takes us. It takes us into a view of the church that is much deeper, much more intrinsic than we are accustomed
1: to seeing. Well, part of our introduction yesterday was to uh, just quickly mention that the church is seen in Ephesians really as seven different entities or items, and we're going to get into those in more detail today. That's really the focus of our program. Uh, our first item that we want to cover in this first segment is, of course, the church is the body of Christ, the church which is His body, the fullness of the One who fills all in all, from chapter one, verse twenty-two and twenty-three. So, why don't we join Witness Lee and look at the church as the body? Of Christ.
3: Firstly, the church is the body of Christ. You all know what is the body. You just look at your body. Suppose you don't have a body. There will be no standing. Yeah? There will be just a head hanging in there. What would this be for a living person, a complete Perfect person. There is the need of the body. The body is just the expression of this person. And this body of Christ is the fullness of Him that fills all in all. In this one book, you have these two terms. The riches and the fullness of Christ. Why then the body of Christ is called the fullness? It is quite meaningful. The body of a person is his fullness. And this fullness is altogether what? His expression. So the church is the body of Christ. And this body of Christ is the fullness. The whole universe is filled with Christ. Christ is the one who fills all and in all. He's so great. He's so big. And such a great person needs a great body. That is the church. What is the difference between the riches of Christ and the fullness of Christ? The riches of Christ are the items of what Christ is. But the fullness is that all the riches have been digested by us. All the riches of Christ become us. Then we are the fullness of Christ. This is the first item of what the church is. The church is the body of Christ, which is the very fullness of the universally great person who fills all you know.
1: Well, Bob, a lot of people today talk about the body of Christ, and I think this is something that has been now, I think, largely due maybe to Watchman's writings, uh, some of his early writings, but this matter of the body of Christ is somewhat clear. But uh, I was really uh, intrigued by how it was related to the fullness and compared to the riches, and maybe uh, this will develop it in another way, particularly because there's an application where we are incorporated or included in the fullness, isn't there?
2: There really is, Chris, and I would like to also stress this point. The brotherly brought out that Christ is a universally great person. He is so great that he fills all things in all things. How great is this? It's greater than we can appreciate or apprehend. Well, the body of Christ is the expression of this universally great person. So we can see how great a thing is. The body of Christ is. Christ needs a great body composed of millions of members to express all that he is. And now we come to the matter of the riches and the fullness. Well, all that Christ is, all the items of what he is in his person are his riches, such as love, light, patience, long-suffering, salvation, righteousness, sanctification, holiness. Christ is everything really the reality of all the positive things in the entire universe. So he is so great in his person. These are his riches. According to God's economy, these riches should be dispensed into all those who believe into Christ. They should be received by the believers, enjoyed by the believers intrinsically. Mm. Then they should be digested and assimilated into the very being of the believers so that the riches of Christ become the content or the constituents of our inner being. When this happens, when we're filled with the riches of Christ, then we collectively, as the body of Christ, become the fullness of Christ. So the riches of Christ are what Christ is, and the fullness of Christ is what we become by the enjoyment of the riches of Christ. And this fullness is the expression of Christ in all his riches. Now you can see what a great thing the church is.
1: I remember many times Witness Lee used to use an example to illustrate this point where he would talk about America and its ability to produce such riches, the wheat and the vegetables and the uh, chicken and beef and all of the produce of the American uh, agricultural system or the riches in a sense of America. But as we, its citizens, take these in and begin to fill out because of our digestion and assimilation of these uh, riches, we become in a sense the fullness of America. It's on one hand a kind of a a low illustration, but on the other hand really the principle uh, when applied in the spiritual realm is very similar, isn't it?
2: Very similar. In order to become the fullness, we need to Receive, enjoy, digest, and assimilate the riches. Then the result is that these riches will be expressed in a corporate way through the church as the
1: body of Christ, which is the fullness of Christ. Well, we're still in a kind of an overview mode, Bob, and we're seeing the seven items today that the church is in the book of Ephesians. Uh, the second and third and fourth of these are included in the verses I want to read now from chapter 2. Abolishing in his flesh the law of the commandments in ordinances that he might create the two, that is the Jews and the Gentiles, in himself, into one new man, so making peace. So the new man, of course, the second item that we're looking at. And then in verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The household of God, another item that the church is. Let's go back to Witness Lee.
3: The number two, the church is the new man. I'd like to tell you, there is quite a difference between the body and the new man. The body only needs the life. But the new man needs the life and the person. The church is not only the body of Christ having the life of Christ but also is what? It's a new man. Having Christ as her person. And this new man is called prayed. Because that verse says what? That he might create the two. That means two peoples. Two races. The Jews and the Gentiles. In himself. Into one new man. Amen. Two peoples. You see. Created into one new man. Brothers. Ancestors, don't look down at this doctrine. This will uplift your realization of the church life. Amen. Now we go on to number three. The church is the kingdom of God. Verse 19 of chapter 2 says, you are no more strangers, sojourners. You are the fellow citizens. This indicates a kingdom. So here, it tells us that the church is the kingdom of God. And we are the citizens of this kingdom. And we all have the civil right. And don't forget, as long as you enjoy the right, you must bear the responsibility. This is the church being the kingdom of God. Then number four, The church is also the household of God. And the household is not a matter of right. The household is a matter of life and enjoyment. In the kingdom, you have the right and you have the responsibility. Of course, I'm so happy to say that in the family, we have life and we have enjoyment.
1: Well, Bob, I think our listeners can appreciate now that we're moving pretty fast through these things, but there's a lot here and in coming programs. Of course, we'll come back to all of these items. But uh, three more items mentioned now, the new man, the kingdom, and the household of God. How about these three? Yes, Chris. As Witness Lee pointed
2: out, with the new man, the key thing here is the person. A man is a person. Whereas a body, for instance, our physical body, the basic need of our body is life. Uh Uh-huh. But the basic need of a man is a personality. So the church as the new man has Christ as the person. The personality of this corporate man is Christ. This is quite wonderful. So the new man expresses Christ as the person. and Then we move on to the church as the kingdom. Ephesians 2 says that we are fellow citizens. Of course, citizens refer to a kingdom, and in any kind of kingdom, we focus on the civil rights of the citizens. We all have our rights as citizens of God's kingdom, but we also have responsibilities. And the New Testament, uh, in speaking about the kingdom, it does show us what our rights are as Uh citizens of the heavenly kingdom, and also it shows us what our responsibilities are as citizens of the kingdom of God. So we have to pay attention to these things. Then finally, in this section, we saw the church is the household of God. A household, of course, is a family made up of the Father, in this case, God the Father and all the believers as sons of God form one great household. So we are in the divine family and in the family, the main things are the enjoyment of life. We, as believers in Christ, God's household, we have the life of God, the life of our divine Father, and we enjoy this life. This life is an enjoyment to us, and we enjoy being members of this one family. We have an enjoyment in a family of God that none of the unbelievers have. They have friendship, fraternity, but we have family (laughs) and this is a matter of life and enjoyment
1: a very particular enjoyment boy all of these three items are the scope and magnitude of them when you consider the new man is the person as you said not just with the life Uh, And we appreciate and talk very much about life. This is a life study. But this matter of the new man bearing the life, the expression of Christ in his person really is intrinsically part of what the church is. And then the kingdom we've had, of course, the life study of uh, Matthew not too long ago. We saw the kingdom in great detail. But this also is a function or an aspect of the church and the household enjoying the riches of the Father. And I just had an appreciation, as you were sharing, uh, how marvelous it is to be family members of God. What all does that entitle us to, Bob?
2: Well, this is truly a wonderful aspect of the church, and I do believe that in the church, when we are in the reality of the church life, we feel a kind of uh, intimacy with the brothers and the sisters that is on a divine level. It's it's a higher intimacy than even we feel with our human families, right. although our human family is quite wonderful Our divine family is even more wonderful, and the enjoyment in the divine family is the highest enjoyment.
1: Well, we've got three more items to touch uh, on our program today of the seven, Uh, and we're still in chapter 2. Verse 21 says, In whom all the building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. And then, of course, chapter 5, which we're not going to read from, but brings out the matter of the bride, the church being the bride, the wife of Christ. And then in chapter 6, the chapter on warfare, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the stratagems of the devil. So there's a warrior depicted here. All of these items uh, in the book of Ephesians, uh, items of what the church is in God's view. Let's go back to Witness Lee.
3: Number five, the dwelling place. First eh? All the building is growing into an holy temple in the Lord. That is universal. Then you, the local saints, all also are also being built into a dwelling place of God in spirit. Universally speaking, the church is the temple in the Lord. And locally speaking, the church is the dwelling place of God in our spirit. In chapter 5, we have the church as the bride, the wife of Christ. We all know the wife is for the satisfaction of the husband. So, in the Bible, the wife or the bride is just the satisfaction. And satisfaction always implies rest. If you don't have rest, how could you be satisfied? The church is Christ's rest and satisfaction. Because the church is what Christ loves. The church is the wife for the satisfaction of Christ. Now we go on. The last item, listen. Is what? The warrior. In chapter 6, verse 11, it tells us the church is the warrior. A corporate fighter. You know, an army is composed with many persons. But a warrior is just one person. The church is the new man. And this new man is a fighter. Dealing with God's enemy. And defeating all God's enemy. This is the last item. You put all these six items together, you can see it is all together too meaningful.
1: Well, Bob, you have a hard task. Uh, Once again, you've got to touch these... uh major items but in just a couple of minutes that we have left. Okay, we have three now that we just touched in this last segment. The church is the dwelling place of God in a couple of aspects, and then the church is the bride or the wife of Christ, and finally this matter of the warrior. Even, and I was intrigued here, his comparison between an army and a warrior, it's really a warrior, isn't it?
2: That's right, Chris. Uh, These three items are truly marvelous. First of all, the church is God's dwelling place. When we think about the place where God dwells, often we think about heaven yeah. or maybe even a physical building on the earth. Yes, But we really need to have a change in our concept. According to the New Testament, God dwells in the church. The church is God's temple. Universally, speaking of the church in a universal sense, the church is a holy temple in the Lord, that is, in Christ. Uh-huh. Then, on a local level, where we have the believers living in a certain locality, the church is a dwelling place of God in the believer's human regenerated spirit. So where does God dwell? He dwells in the church. In particular, he dwells in the spirits of the believers. Our human regenerated spirit is God's dwelling place. And according to these verses, this church as a temple of God and God's dwelling place, is a living building. It's an organic building because it says it's growing. So the church grows, and the growth of the church is the building up of the church. And We'll see much more of this later. Then we have the bride in chapter 5, a chapter well-known for its uh, speaking concerning wives and husbands, but yes. actually beneath the surface of this we see the great mystery, Christ and the church. The church is the bride. For the satisfaction of Christ, the bridegroom, just as Eve was for the satisfaction of Adam. Adam was there alone. Mm -hmm. He was not satisfied to be alone. He needed a counterpart. That was Eve. The same is true of Christ. So Christ needs to have his satisfaction, which is the church. And the church is something that Christ loves. It's something he deeply loves and treasures. And finally, this aspect of the warrior. You know, the church is a corporate fighter. It's not even uh, an army. An army is made of many warriors. But the church is one warrior, a corporate man, as a fighter to fight against all God's enemies. And these enemies of God are mainly not humans, mm. but they are the evil spirits in the heavenlies who are behind all the activity on the earth that opposes God's economy. So we have to fight against and defeat all these evil angelic forces.
1: Bob, um, I think the book of Ephesians is one that is uh, appreciated by many, many people and believers. A lot of messages given uh, from this book because there are so many uh, little isolated portions that have such rich content and they have a lot of applications. But to see it as a whole from this view uh, where each chapter, where each of these items is really connected directly to how God views and desires and longs for the church. It's another view, another perspective of this book, isn't it?
2: That's right, Chris. And our prayer, of course, is that all our listeners would be lifted up into the heavenlies to see the church from God's point of view. This would certainly revolutionize our Christian
1: life. Well, we've had a good start to two days of a very broad-brush overview from of the book of Ephesians and seeing the church in Ephesians. Uh, we hope you'll join us tomorrow as we begin in Chapter 1 and start to get into some of these items in more depth and detail, so don't miss tomorrow's program. And as we are just embarking on this long journey that we're going to have in Ephesians, maybe now would be a good time for you to consider getting the set of the printed Life Study messages. If you'd like to find out about this set, we would be glad to give you information about that. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888 888- 543-3788 or write to us at Living Stream Ministry Post Office Box 2121 Anaheim, California 92814 or our email address is radio at lsm and Bob uh, Lord willing we'll have many opportunities to enjoy these messages together in the coming weeks and months and I look forward to all of them and I also look forward to them Chris thank you for being here today for Bob Danker I'm Chris Wilde. thank you very much for listening yeah.
0: In both the first and last book of the Bible, God presents himself to man as the tree of life. Throughout the Bible, God is portrayed as food for man to eat and life for man to enjoy. In the tree of life, Witness Lee presents a view of God's heart that is little understood and seldom experienced by Christians today revealing that it is God's desire that we receive Christ, experience Christ, and enjoy Christ as our moment-by-moment supply. The Tree of Life from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere.